What is up, people, and welcome back to the Highland Podcast. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. And before we get into today, I've just seen a tweet, and I was actually just about to say it to Jamie. You told me he's the best record, so here we go. But it was, the tweet was anyways, Ivan Tony's reveals his top three strikers of all time, right? Any guesses? Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, you've seen it. What a, what a waste of time. Anyways, for anyone who hasn't, it's it's Aguero on the left. Very good. So that's, that's, that's maybe his third. Berbatov. For some reason, they have him in a Monaco jersey. And Jermaine Defoe as his top three strikers of all time. Anyways, welcome back to the Highland Podcast. We are going to start straight away with an extremely eventful Carabao Cup final. Somehow only one goal. Zero goals in, in, in regulation time. I'm going to start with just a very simple question. What did you think of the game? What did I think of the game? What did I think of the game? I thought it was fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Thought it was a uh, for the neutral, amazing, entertainment. Bit of controversy with the VAR decisions. Should Caicedo have been sent off as well? Should yeah. Van Dijk should have Van Dijk's goal have been given? Lots of questions, but in the end, there was one winner. The winner was Liverpool, and you'd have to say that they deserved it based on extra time alone. They deserved to win that game because. I think it was a monumental effort from Liverpool and I think Chelsea should hang their heads in shame. In extra time, it's been clutch kids against the blue billion pound ball jobs. Here's the thing about it, right? I feel like the big talking point in the past 24 hours has been Chelsea embarrassing. Chelsea this... And I'm going to touch on that because there's definitely a lot of fact to it. Judging a 90-minute football match, I thought after that 90 minutes, I was like, Chelsea have been all right. They've put it up to Liverpool good. They've, it's, they've been, it's been a tight game. Should have been a lot of goals. Okay, I thought both big decisions in the game went against Liverpool. So I still thought maybe Liverpool... Had the, had the edge, but it what, what has really damaged Chelsea and Pochettino is how they approached extra time. I can't believe how they approached it. Liverpool, towards the end of the 90 minutes, made a lot of changes. They brought on an incredible amount of academy players, young players, teenagers, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. Some of them making their debuts. First ever minutes in a Liverpool shirt, a senior shirt. Any team with any common sense, even any manager with any common sense, spots that opportunity in a final. Spots that weakness, smells the danger, smells the blood. And they played for penalties. Poch came out, said in his press conference, they played for penalties. In my view, that's indefensible for a coach indefensible for a group of players and indefensible for a club that wants to call themselves a big club agreed entirely with everything you've said there Chelsea they had them on the ropes the last 
10 minutes. They had chance after chance. Gallagher could have had a hat-trick. Yeah. They were playing all the football. They had Liverpool by the scruff of the neck. All they had to do. If they had come out and continued in that way, I've no doubt in my mind they'd have scored in the first 10 minutes of that extra time. Like, all... all that, they, that extra time was essentially a golden goal. Yeah. Whoever scored was going to win the game. Yeah. And, like, let's be real. All Liverpool mustered an extra time was a corner that Van Dijk rose and headed in. Other than that, there was no distinct chance for Liverpool when the youngsters came on. There was no bar. I think, Dan, is his name Dan's? Mm. Dan's had the header that Petrovic tipped over. Yeah, yeah. Petrovic should have saved it and did save it. But Chelsea had the chances. You, Kelleher, incredible. Ooh, Van Dijk, monster amongst boys. Monster amongst boys, Van Dijk was. Konate on a yellow card, incredible. Kwanzaa comes on, just as good as Konate. There's, I'm looking around the pitch, Liverpool, incredible. But before we got on to Liverpool, because we are going to talk about Liverpool, and I'm sure we're going to praise Liverpool because they deserve the praise. But Chelsea equally deserved the flack. And for them to come out and play that extra time the way they did, in the circumstances where they had a team, they had boys, they had reserves, because Chelsea lost a final to Liverpool's reserves. And there's no other way of putting it. I just want to say, after the game, after the final whistle blew, I was very much in my head full of praise of Pochettino. In my head, I was like, good game plan. Really put it up to Liverpool. His players let him down in the in extra time. His players let him down. Didn't play for extra time, didn't play for the win. Whether it was nerves, whatever, inexperience, I don't know what it was. You can't even use that excuse because look at the Liverpool team. But anyways, it was only when he came in his press conference and said that it was his instruction to play for penalties and that was the decision that came to I said that's a sackable offence that's absolutely sackable in my view I think he should be gone absolutely gone I don't think he's in good stead with Todd Bowley you see there was no shake I don't know did anyone else see the video yeah. of was it Potch collecting the runners up medal was yeah. that when it was Yeah. But Potch was collecting the runners up medal he was shaking hands with whoever was beside Bowley and he just blanked on Bowley kind of went to try and get him after but he was Potch was having none of it I think that soured I think his days are probably numbered at Chelsea don't know kind of Chelsea even afford to let him go though which is another topic but I think it's sackable I think he should be gone I, I cannot get over he wanted to play for penalties in a, no other manager winning manager winning mentality manager would play for penalties in that situation you have to remember you're playing look of course Liverpool are bigger than Chelsea but you're still Chelsea football club manager but Chelsea win they do win they've you know okay a short term history but a short term history of winning since Abramovich so whether that their history is going to be they had this Russian oligarch owner and they won a lot not the most but they won a sparing number of leagues, Champions Leagues, they won a little bit of everything during this Russian oligarch's reign. Before that, mess. Nearly bankrupt. Needed funding. After that, it's not started very promisingly for Chelsea. So is this what the, their history is going to be? I don't know. I think it says a lot that Liverpool won this final 
in a testament to their academy and they beat a team, a billion pound team funded largely by selling academy graduates. And I think that says a lot about the heart in that Liverpool performance compared to the gutless, toothless... It says a lot about the culture of both teams. Exactly. culture of both clubs. Look, I'm no Liverpool fan. I can guarantee everyone that, but... What, what I have to do is respect what they did yesterday. Coming from, obviously, a United fan who takes huge pride in academy graduates, being in the team. I mean, yesterday is a dream. Yesterday is such a dream, especially against, of all teams in the league, a Chelsea, whose model is the opposite. They've no value in that. Sell academy players really only gave a chance to academy graduates when they had the transfer ban for breaking the rules. <sighs> If I was Liverpool, I'd be very, very satisfied today. And I think we have to come away from Chelsea and do, we really have to give those kids credit. It's, it is in my, not a longer career than mine, but in my more than 20 years, easily the most special trophy I ever won. It's absolutely exceptional. But I'm going to actually move away from the kids and I have got to give the leaders credit to that team, and particularly Van Dyke. I mean, he was calm, a leader, and he stepped up. He stepped up after being very, very harshly ruled out by winning it in, in, in regulation time, and he stepped up again. And just, just powered over everyone. Like, like I said, didn't even jump. Didn't even have to. Quality guided into the corner twice. He's an incredible centre-back. He's one of the best centre-backs I've ever watched. One of the best centre-backs the league has ever seen. Incredible. We spoke a lot about Poch and how he ch- he choked this final, essentially, in stark contrast to the man in the dugout opposite to him who rose, in my opinion into this final and I just want to talk about Jurgen Klopp and who knows tomorrow yesterday's game could be the last trophy he ever wins for Liverpool could be the last time we see him in Wembley could be the last time he's in a game of such importance for Liverpool I think that game yesterday just completely defined his legacy of what he has built. The, the faith in his players, the faith in his players towards him, the complete buy-in into his principles. It doesn't matter who's playing, young, old, whether it's Simicus coming off the bench, whether it's McConnell coming off the bench, whether it's Gakpo starting... Van Dyke leading, everyone knows their role, doesn't matter who it is, everyone believes in each other. And that reminds me so much of Sir Alex Ferguson. I think Jurgen Klopp is the closest thing in terms of man manager. Man manager and building a sort of godlike figure in a club where everybody looks up to him. He is the God. He is yeah. the man. 
And I think he has compl- and he has built that, he's cemented that in that club. I think he's the closest thing to Ferguson there is. And I think he will go down and I think he deserves all the credit that he ever gets. Because it was the first time that I really sat back and I went, wow, this league is going to miss Klopp. Put yourself in those academy players' shoes, right? You're on the bench in a very, very tight League Cup final. You've never played a minute of senior football, okay? Your manager turns around, looks at you, looks at the academy graduate you grew up playing under 13s beside you and says, both of you, we need you right now. They're looking at Mudrick, 100 million coming on. They're looking at 100 million, Kaiseido, 100 million, Enzo to play against them in midfield for the other team and Klopp turns around and says it's, it's you two I want Klopp didn't have to make any changes he could have it's always a bunch of young lads on the bench I don't know do I trust them I, I might try keep it as it is I know Kanati is on the yellow but I just try hold out I would say every other manager in the league holds out truly I'd say every other manager in the league holds out I think back to Casemiro being on a yellow he was one yellow off missing a huge game for Man United last season Ten Hag kept him on no he, no, he need him he try and win the, he got booked missed the game didn't have the faith this Klopp has the faith put yourself in that academy graduate's shoes you know no matter how nervous you are you would feel so much trust from him and I agree with you and it's such a shame for Liverpool fans that he can't keep going because I thought after that that team that he that he built was dismantled, I thought it'd be a while of transition before he could get something anywhere near back to winning, you know, trophies with with the players he bought in the summer and stuff and the players he missed out on, notably Enzo Caicedo, Mudrick even, if that was Arsenal. Enzo and Caicedo. But he's back competing for everything. He's in every competition. He could win all four. That's incredible. It's a, such a shame for them that he can't keep going because who knows if he could have kept going, how good he'd be. He can't be considered one of the, you know, he can be considered one of the greats. He can't be considered the great because he doesn't have the longevity, but it's a shame. He, the league is going to really miss him. The league is going to really miss him. But more, more importantly, Liverpool are going to really miss him. I think it's going to be one of those I think it's just hard to recover yeah. from. I don't one think of those seismic figures that leaves and you just can't replace you him. You can't replace no him. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good a man you get in, yeah. I just think the way he's embodied that club and how everyone adores him, adores everything he does, the way he goes about his life, because his life has been Liverpool. He's dedicated his whole life to it. And you can tell in just how much... When the goal was scored, they all run to him. When the final whistle blows, they all run to him. He lifts the cup. That's a larger-than-life figure. And... And even the way he's, he, they're under the cosh a little bit and he turns to Liverpool fans and he waves them up and for five minutes straight the Liverpool fans don't stop singing. There's n- not anyone can have that effect on such a large scope of people both inside a club and outside a club and he's done it and I, I'm really, I'm really going to miss him in the league. I really am. It felt like more than a League Cup yesterday. It did. It didn't feel like a League Cup final. It felt like... It felt like a statement of where his football is at in the Premier League. where Especially where those two clubs are at right now. I want to shift to the Premier League. 
because we had a big Premier League football weekend as well. I think now is the moment to show, you know, what we learned last season. I think um, the year before that we missed Champions League and we came back so strong and we showed that we were a lot better. Uh, last year we missed the title, as you say, and now is the time to show that we learned something, you know. And um, yeah, we enjoy so much playing together. Uh, every time we play, we're so excited. And I think that's the way, you know, to, to work hard every day, take it step by step. I think Arsenal are playing the best football in the Premier League right now. Bar none. They're playing better than City. And they're playing better in Liverpool. I think it would be fantastic for the Premier League for Arsenal to win the league this year. I really hope they do. I really hope Arsenal win the league. Just after last season, and even the season before missing out on Champions League, they came back stronger the following season. Will they come back that bit stronger this season? Remains to be seen. But I really hope they do. It's like you said, they play. Oh, they play phenomenal I, football. We watch them. Oh my it's relentless. It's relentless. It's intense. But it's equally as innovative and entertaining. Do you know what they do? They have, do you know what they have an ability to do? They have an ability to make you forget how good the opposition is. Like I was watching the game. Last game, Premier League, was Arsenal against Newcastle. And they got to the 60th minute or that. And it was it was all Arsenal, and I was just sitting back enjoying this absolute. Uh, they were incredible, and I, I actually sat up, and I think I said it to you. I was like, "You forget they're playing Newcastle here. These are not. No this pushover. is not. This is not a fifth round of the FA Cup. They 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 pulled Wigan. This is Newcastle. Really good team, Europe last season. I mean." They just made them look so inferior everywhere. That back four performed incredibly. The midfield, I want I want to hear what you have to say about the midfield because you actually asked for this a few weeks ago. Jorginho allowing Declan Rice to push further forward into a number eight role, accompanying Odegaard. Oh, they just dominated. The, where Declan Rice picked up the ball? I just thought, I, th- I, th- I think Arsenal deserved to win the league. If they keep playing like that. But my issue with Arsenal, my issue with Arsenal is I don't think they have the balls, for want of a better word. I think City know how to win. As a club even. I know Arsenal have won leagues and stuff. But it's been a long time. City know how to win. This Liverpool team knows how to win. I don't think this Arsenal team knows how to win. They don't know how to win until they win. Until that's, they win. That's the unfortunate thing about that's it. it. But that win has to come once. The win has to come it doesn't once. Doesn't have to with this team. This like the team is too good. The team is too good. Team I think it good. has to come as well. But they do. I just feel like I don't know will they win until they have that killer up top. I think that's what's stopping them. They need some. But again, yeah. we talk about if they bring Ivan Tony in. This is our theory. Oh, he's the killer. But he doesn't know how to win either. True. He's never come from a team that's won. Yeah. So it's, uh, oh, tell me about what you thought of Arsenal. I mean, tell me about... The, it's very very uh, much e- very much echoing what you're saying. Blow me away. They really do. I've And I know it was your first time properly sitting down and looking at them. In, in about two weeks, three in, weeks. In a few weeks. And I had been singing their praises on here for the last... Since they've come back from the winter break. But they are ge- genuinely... They are outrageously good at football. Incredible. Every, the way they set up... Back four, midfield three. I, I, 
I particularly think if they persist that midfield three, they have a better chance of winning the league. Don't think the Odegaard Havertz Rice midfield will do it for them. Whereas I think if you get Rice more further forward, it just more so for Odegaard than anything, mm. I think. Why? Because I just think Havertz and Odegaard occupy the same spaces. And they get in each other's way and one doesn't know where the other is. So I just think there's more of a cohesion in that midfield three. Jorginho sits, he's meh at defending. He's okay at defending, but they don't do much defending because the back four just mop that shit up. So Jorginho is more than capable on the football. Mm. And he can pick a pass. And he can dictate the tempo. And he can keep it moving. He can slow it down. He can do it all. Whereas Rice, the, his long strides, he picks up the ball and he holds the men off and he drives forward and the Emirates just roar him yeah, on yeah. and Martinelli is darting and Saka is darting Odegaard is just hovering waiting for something to happen it's just it's it's complete football yeah, I look incredible. at it and it's complete football the way they're set up and they do the dogged tough shit as well mm. they press high they hassle you and they harry you and they just don't give you a second of breathing space and for now they're finishing I just think I said it last episode Right now, complete package in terms right, of football. Right complete on. package. And if they keep that up, I don't see anyone stopping them. They're going to the Etihad in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. That game is huge. If they go to that game in the Etihad and they put up a performance like they've been putting in, I think, I think they beat them. Oh. I think they beat them. They're more than capable. And the thing about Arsenal is right now, yes, they're playing amazingly, but they're scoring more. And they're conceding less. And that's always, always a good formula in football. 25 goals in six games. The stats are stupid, actually. Recent stats are quite stupid for Arsenal. They just can't let off. No, and, they like, can't take the foot off the gas. They They've got to keep keep pushing. They've got, they got to keep these levels up because you won't win a league if they, if they drop at all because they don't have the luxury of a couple of points lead like they did last year. I want to go from talking total football to a total to, mess. Total football to total distress. Which just, is, it's, it's, yeah, it's the same. It's, United got on a good run. and then, Drag you right back down to earth. They drag you right back home game against Fulham and they were, start to finish, they were so bad. <laughs> so I'm not that opportune after, so after one defeat, you have to see the bigger picture. And a bigger picture uh, it looks very good. Dejected, lifeless, Why? uninspiring. Why? Oh, because Hoyland was out, surely it must be. He, he, this one player goes out, they can't keep blaming this. This is, this is, not, the fault. This is not the problem. This look, is not the problem. Look, I think this had been coming. Like the underlying numbers are there. We They were conceding a lot of shots. A lot of shots mm. against poor opposition. They constantly had f less possession against what's determined poorer opposition. Mm. Luton Town last week, Luton Town have 16 shots. Luton Town have more possession. No Manchester United team should have Luton Town with more possession and with 16 shots. Oh. And it was just, it's a, it was consistently 10 plus shots faced yeah. in a lot of games. So they were bound to concede a couple. And without Hoyland, let's be real, Rashford caught a lot of hate a lot of criticism after his performance at centre forward and look I've done my fair share of giving out about Rashford this season 
But I'm I'm not going to sit here and berate him for that performance because it was not very dissimilar to Hoyland's. They get fuck all service. A centre forward for Man United is a graveyard shift. Hoyland touches the ball fuck all in a game and it just so happens that since the end of December that the two shots Hoyland gets he's scoring at the minute. Rashford didn't get any shots because nothing was created for him. Rashford is another thing but I just didn't want to sit here and start blaming Rashford when I think there's much much worse problems at the club. I think the way they're set up is a joke and is a recipe for disaster. As a formation? As a, as a f- 11. The gap, the way they press, the way they press is entirely disjointed and you wonder why they're picking up so many injuries. It's because they're running around like headless chickens. The midfield is fucking pushing up the forward line because the forward line is a different three every week. How can they possibly know who's pressing where? Rashford's pressing as a left winger one week, a right winger another week, and a striker another week. Then the midfielder coming up, Bruno, headless chicken, Casemiro moving up, Menu moving up, fullbacks moving up. Next thing you know, a ball's over the top, it's nodded on by the striker, and there's this big red sea of nothing but oncoming attackers coming at United's goal and coming out on Anna. I think it's a disgrace. I think it's horrific. It's, it is unbelievably bad. Like, unbelievably bad. And I sat down this weekend and I watched Wolves. And I watched Bournemouth. I watched Fulham. And I looked at the telly and I said, these teams play better football than Man United. All of them. Their midfields are putting together attacking sequences, passing sequences that I genuinely don't believe Man United can put together. I just, I want to know, I want to know what you think about how Man United play, how they set up. Why are they so susceptible to so many chances? What are you talking about? How they play. United don't play any way. United go out there, right? United go out there and hope one of Bruno's Hail Marys reaches a target. And if it does reach a target, they hope that that target shoots. And I hope that that target scores. Because that's probably the only shot that target's going to get all game. They hope Rashford goes back to his last season form and cuts in with Ronaldo chops and knuckleballs it and goalie makes a mistake and they score. They hope Garnacho does an overhead kick. They hope Casemiro can stop the ball ever going near a back four because God forbid they have to defend or at least retreat with fast forwards against the, a fast transition. Kobe who's looking around at this chaos. Onana's just a disaster waiting to fucking happen. Dallow's useless. We've no backup left back even though we let go of Reggion and cut his loan short. Where is Malassia? Varane is going to get injured very, very soon. Maguire has two mistakes a game in him, even though I thought he was quite good at the week. I don't think he was too bad. Shambles. I think it's a shambles. I think the position of Man United in the table flatters them. Flatters them. The only one team in the league has faced more shots than Manchester United this season. 
Now you tell me, is that a setup issue or a player issue? That's a setup issue. Only Sheffield United have, sh- have faced more. That's relegation form. That's relegation defending. Onana has dropped about five, six, seven balls into the back of his net, yet he has a positive save percentage because of how much shots he's actually faced. It's a setup issue. That manager hasn't got a hold of them at all. He's talking. Like, I go back to Liverpool at the weekend and their Carabao Cup win. They had injuries. So many. But every player that came on knew how they played. There was actually no difference. There was absolutely no difference in the way Liverpool played with their players, the 11 that they had out at the weekend. No difference. Drop in quality, yes. Drop in output, absolutely. They don't have the Sa- didn't have Salah, they don't have Trent with creating chances. Yes, absolutely. And we as fans will forgive a drop in output and a drop in quality when players come in for injured players. It shouldn't be an enti- a, a loss of system. A complete dismantling of how we, how we play, the philosophy of the club. There's no philosophy there when there's full squad. There's no philosophy there when it's not. It's just, it's so much more noticeable when it's not the best 11. And there's only one good 11. After that, Martinez out. The step in isn't half what we're... You're replacing Maguire with Martinez. That is like... That is honestly... They're so incredibly different as centre-halves. Oh, yeah. How do you... You can't come in and do that. Yeah, but at least Salah goes out. He's been replaced with Elliot. Okay, he's a lot... Again, dropping standard. But profile-wise, left-footed, coming in on the right. He plays the way Liverpool plays. He changes nothing. It's a mess. Ten Hag spoke about, in his post-match press conference, he spoke about it's a process and the process looks good in the long run. Based on what? And then a lot of reports came out today saying there's, you know, the usual stuff. There's unrest in the dressing room and they've lost faith mm. and they don't back him. But what I will say about this Man United team in comparison to the teams that saw Solskjaer sacked, saw Mourinho sacked, Van Hal sacked, mm. I don't think these players actually down tools. They don't down tools like the others have. They actually do try. The problem is they don't have the quality. They're actually not good enough. They're not good players. United have successfully gotten rid of the bad eggs. I don't. They've successfully I, uh, gotten rid of the bad eggs. What they're left with now, they've they've gotten rid of the shit personalities. Now they have to get rid of the shit players. No, no I disagree. I disagree. That's bullshit. There's absolute such waffle there. Onana. But awful season was arguably the best goalkeeper in the, in the Champions League last season just leave that Varane one of the best centre halves of this generation Maguire starter for England such good performances for England Martinez we've seen what he can do last season incredible quality Luke Shaw in my opinion the left, best left back in the league Dallo okay has good days has bad days Casemiro one of the best CDMs of the last generation Menu come in fantastic academy prospect played really really well Bruno Biggest chance creator in Europe in the past five years. Rashford, superstar in the Premier League. 
okay, very hot and cold, but the quality he has is incredible. Hoyland's come in, slow start, shown he has the quality to be a really top striker, a top team. Garacho's a huge prospect. Anthony, awful, but just aside from that, there's enough quality there to have more possession than Luton. No, there's not. Oh, there's app. There absolutely is. There absolutely is. Don't tell me, and I agree with you that the, the, the especially that midfield, Bruno just again hail mary ball, and and, and and Casemiro looks for the again the hail mary ball too often, and he won't just sit it down and, and pass the ball properly. That manager can has to be able to go into that midfield and sit down and say, please focus on simplicity and keeping the ball today. They can't do it. How many players suit a possession-based system? How many players? Out of them. The, they're a transitional team. They're a transitional team. That's why they have less possession. I'm, like This is all a recruitment problem. And I think the root of Ten Hag's problem here with his style of play, and I don't think you're going to like what I'm going to say here, is the signing of Casemiro. That has fucked his philosophy. And... He should have adapted better to it. He has gone gun-ho for this transitional style. But I do hand on heart believe if he got Frankie de Jong instead of Casemiro, they'd be playing possession-based football. I think Casemiro will go down as the worst investment by the Glazers post-Ferguson. I think it's one of the worst deals that has ever been done. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you right here why. One good season does not justify and back up a player. It's not one... Let me finish. 30 years of age, five-year deal, highest paid, one of the highest paid players in the club, £70 million for one Good season that he played 25 games in because he was suspended for the other half and injured for the other half. He completely doesn't suit a possession-based team. And I rate Casemiro for what he does. He's incredible when he has two players capable of playing football in front of him. He's also completely past it. His legs are gone. He is late to every ball. He does not mark it. He does not mark space anymore because he can't get there. He is shot. Legs gone. £70 million, five-year deal, 30 years of age, one good season that you can argue is about a three-month peak between easy, January and March. Easy, January easy, and March easy. peak. That's easy. when it was. You can say Lukaku was worse. And I'd say, fair enough. But there's a bit of resell value on him. We, United basically got the money back. Di Maria could have been worse. Resell value. Where's the resell value on this five-year contract, 70 million pounds? You'd be lucky to get 30 for him now. You'd be lucky to get 25 because he's old, he's gone, and the only team that's going to want him is Saudi. I think it completely sums up the absolute ruin of this Man United regime. And Ineos can't come in quick enough because Casemiro, 30 years of age, 70 million pounds, that does not suit the manager's philosophy, does not get done under a competent regime. Rant over. A good season is is incredibly understating. He was one of the best midfielders in the league last season. He was Premier League Team of the Year last season. He was arguably the most important reason as to what got ended United's trophy drought of six years. 
don't think we got we win a trophy without Casemiro last season. Pay seventy million for a trophy alone. That's repaid back. There's plenty. Se- seventy million for a Carabao Cup. Six year trophy draft for Man United is unacceptable. Unacceptable. We've paid more money for nothing. For nothing. Embarrassment. Embarrassment. I agree with aspects that that wasn't clearly Ten Hag's number one. And it was the usual shit with the Glazers end of the summer t- transfer window that couldn't get anything that was wanted over the line. So they go and get a big name for high wages try and appease the fans. That's what that was. Again, seen it time and time before. But he is looking late this season. 31 is not incredibly old anymore in football. It's, no, it's not. It's not. But when your legs are gone, your legs are gone. Doesn't no age doesn't come into it there. Your legs Casemiro, are gone. Casemiro is just one of those players. He reminds me of Rooney back in the day. He comes in having been either injured or out. And he takes a period of time to get back in. When Casemiro first started playing for United last season, do you remember the first few games? He looked hideous. Hideous. Ended up in the Premier League team of the year. I absolutely think you're completely running the gun there calling his legs washed. Reminds me of Rooney. Same body build as Rooney. Takes some time to get into the game. Haven't come back from an injury, which he has. So give him another month, see how he's playing think he'll be fine by the end of March I get that you won't sell him on for much and I get that he doesn't suit possession based team unless he has two competent players in front of him which when one of them is Bruno Fernandes it's not competent so you're selling Bruno over keeping Casemiro then because that's the only way Casemiro and this team works no I, I, I don't want Casemiro I don't think Casemiro is in a United winning team in, in two three years some investment that is sure, this is what Glazers have done Jamie for the yeah, but that's what I'm saying to you I, but it, well, calling it the worst is ridiculous when when he is in my opinion the most important reason as to why United won a trophy last year for the first time in six years stupid um, yeah I said it's trophy's the wor- worth something I said it's the worst investment this is a five year investment you got one good year of it you make an investment with the view of five years and you get one good year out of them five years you're telling me that's a good investment well I'm fairly sure Jamie by you're talking investment here, you're talking about very much monetary value. You get paid to win the Carabao Cup. That's probably the seventy million back. Sick? I'd say that's quite close to the seventy million back. What do you get paid to win a Carabao Cup? Not seventy million, buddy. What do you get? Fifteen? You think you're gonna get fifteen or that? The the playoff final is the highest paid trophy in world football, and it's a hundred million. Win a Carabao Cup, you'll 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 recoup sixty percent of that investment, and throw the other forty on sentiment, and you have your value back. I don't think it's the worst. I think it's a, it's a fucking awful take. I think that's the worst investment United made under Glazers when it's just been bad investment after bad investment after bad investment. Like my God, it's horrific. Foden, class player. Has become already a top class football player. Was a before little boy, good actions. Now has become already feel a world class top player. Is so good. <laughs> Can play in everywhere, especially in the central position. Is really, really, really good. England. Can you get him in a starting England team though? Yeah, he has to be in a starting England team. 
Where do you play? Left wing. So you're going Kane, Foden on the left, who on the right? Saka. What's your midfield? Bellingham. Bellingham. Bellingham in the 10. Rice and that position's up for grabs then. I would personally put Ward Prowse in there, but he's not even getting picked in teams. He's not even playing for... He's not even starting for West Ham tonight, is he? Is he? Is starting scene. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that, that, that midfield spot is up for grabs, in my opinion. It, I can't. You cannot push Bellingham back there. Bellingham no, has no, to play no, in no, the no. ten. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm not playing Madison left wing just to shoehorn him into the team. <clears throat> Foden left wing is better. Foden left wing has won a league. Foden left wing has won a Champions League also, which he's played there sometimes. So Foden left wing, Saka right wing, Harry Kane striker. I don't think it should even be up for debate. I think that's their best front three. I think that front three gets them far. I like it. They've no excuse. No, they've no England excuse. Have no excuse. I like like realistically, it's England and it's France here. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Every other national team is in transition. Managers are trying to get settled still. Players starting to get settled. They're not strong in all positions. Whereas when you look at England and you look at France, they're strong in every position. Their manager is established. They've been there a while. They know their players. Where Southgate wins this tournament is in his starting 11 selection and in his squad selection in general. He needs to move away from his favourites and he needs to pick players that deserve to be in the squad. And if he does that and he plays players in their positions to their strengths, I think they can have a really good tournament. If he doesn't, he'll have egg on his face and he won't have a job. Does the likes of Southgate's favourites though, do you think, such as Sterling and Calvin Phillips get going? No. I wouldn't put Either of them. I wouldn't put Sterling or Phillips in the team. I most certainly wouldn't put Henderson in the team. Rashford. He has a lot to do in these last few months if he's to get on that plane. I agree. I agree. Now I he's a good option to have his profile. Great player to bring off a bench with his pace, with his dribbling. But there's some there's some really good inform forwards for England, and they'd be very sickened if they missed out to a hot and cold Rashford this year. I like it. The, the Henderson or Phillips can't be near it. No, play. they can't be. They, they can't be. Really, they can't be near the plane. That'll, that'll put a sour taste in the squad Yeah, if them boys For are sure. allowed near the plane. For sure. We're going to go to the news. Everton of today had their 10-point deduction for breaching the Premier League's profitability and sustainability rules reduced to 6 points. The club was referred to an independent commission in March, breaches during the 21-22 season. Obviously the reduction or the deduction was initially 10, it's been moved down to 6. They're now on 25 points and they're up to 15th. They're up to 15th. I believe there's a second appeal coming that's been heard. So they are even appealing the 6, but it's a bit more clear it's a bit, still a bit of a mess with the Premier League I think they should stick with this no matter what really unless, unless obviously Everton are fully in, innocent but I think they should stick to this just for the clarity in terms of other teams around them don't let it get to the end of the season and you're chopping and changing points at will here because you're just going to mess the league up Alfonso Davis verbal agreement with Real Madrid joining from Bayern Munich Again, Madrid getting, Madrid getting stronger. You look, I just, just picture it for a second, okay? That left side of Madrid is, is going to be Alfonso Davis and Vinny Jr. And do you know what? Fluidly, it could even be Mbappe. 
if, you know, that that's who you know who can compete with that? I right? don't know who can compete like, with that. I remember listening to you know Gideon Balag say his name Balagay Balagay, and he was talking about the Premier League running away. The Premier League, Liverpool or Liverpool Real Madrid. They're getting all the handpicking the players as well, and yeah. and they've been doing it for years as long as Barcelona. So it's, it's not the Premier League's job to come and help them now. For sure, I think that's a great signing for them. The left back has been an issue, and they obviously want to recruit young, hungry players. If you want a young, hungry left back? He's the best out there. He is. So get him. Moving on, Burnley have no plans to part ways with head coach Company. He's retained the confidence of the board despite, let's be real, Burnley being a certainty for the draft. It's a bad call. You think? It's a bad call. That's the decision made. That's a decision made with eyes on the championship. For they're, sure. They're keeping, oh, yeah. him, they're keeping him for the championship. Definitely. So they're obviously just resigned to the fact that they're going down, which, you know, if you, if you want to fight to stay up, you, you make this manager decision three months ago because it was clearly not working. They never got it out of them. And look, that's a company with a relegation on his, on his resume already. I think it's a good call. You think it's a good call? It's a good call. They're going down anyway. And he's clearly he's clearly a good guy. He's young. Maybe at this stage. Did really well in the championship. Like they're still playing. Like the football is still it's nice on the eye. The idea is there, the mm. principles are there. Yeah. Maybe they didn't recruit so well. Maybe he needs this squad. A year in the championship, bit of development, and they come back stronger in the next season. they they'll hope to get promoted again. I think I think it'd be harsh to sack him personally. I hear your point I hear your point especially at this stage I think they just left it too long I think they would have been better off changing for a manager maybe th- like I said two three months ago to give themselves a shot just to make it even the relegation battle a bit more interesting because two are down two of them are down anyways finally Oscar Bob has signed a new contract with Manchester City and that contract is until 2029 it was set to expire in 2026 so they've locked him down for another five years which is only a positive I mean we've seen only glimpses but he, he, he seems like a real player Good business, yeah. Good business. Keeping keeping their talents. We've everyone says City don't grow players, don't grow talents. There's Bob, Rico Lewis, oh, Phil, Phil Foden. Foden. So they're getting there now, in yeah, fairness. And look, sure. but they've invested in that, so it's only to be expected. Thanks so much for listening and we will be building up the Premier League weekend on Friday morning. See you then.